We've got a great episode in store for you today with a gentleman who has spent the last 25 years of his life really dedicated to this whole question of how do we bring in more fulfillment and more happiness into our life. His name is Ray Doctor, and yes, that is his last name, and yes, he actually is a doctor. What I love about Ray is that he blends his clinical psychology practice with Eastern philosophies to technologies and science and blends it all in with spirituality to give you actionable items to really help increase happiness and fulfillment. He is a transformational life coach, workshop facilitator, and author of the book, Happiness Decoded. In today's episode, we'll talk about Ray's personal philosophy on fulfillment, how fulfillment really comes from within, how the present moment correlates to happiness, how to bring in more fulfillment during uncertain times, like the ones that we're living in right now. And one of my favorite parts of the episode, Ray talks about how to bring in more fulfillment as a father, as a mother, as a parent during these uncertain times. It's going to be a great episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast, where we focus on bridging success with fulfillment in your personal, business, and spiritual life. And now your hosts, Scott Berry and Joshua Wenner. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast. My name is Scott Berry. Today, we have Ray Doctor. And as I mentioned earlier in the intro, Ray has really dedicated his life and his practice and his heart and soul to really helping people in a multitude of ways, one of which is really helping people obtain more fulfillment and more happiness into their life. And as I mentioned earlier, he is the author of Happiness Decoded. And so, first of all, I'd like to welcome Ray. Ray, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on. You have a book, Happiness Decoded. This show is called Mastering Fulfillment, how to bring in more fulfillment into our personal, relational, and business life. How do you define fulfillment? How do you find happiness? And then where do you possibly see the differentiation between the two, if any? Well, I will take fulfillment on two different levels. One kind of more on a superficial level and the other where it's deeper. So on a surface, like many of us, when we get positive feedback, we get the promotion, we get the phone number from the woman we're attracted to. In that moment, we we might feel fulfilled. We might feel excited and so forth. However, if it's not truly connected to who we are, then it's, it's never enough. And there's another type of fulfillment that really speaks to that. So, for example, if I were driving down the street and I were to see an older couple holding hands and they look cute and so forth and happy, but I feel an experience in my body as if I don't have that or I'm going to be alone or there's something missing, then in that moment, I'm not feeling fulfilled but it's not the moment that thing outside of me, it's that within myself and how I'm talking to myself, I'm not feeling fulfilled. So fulfillment has to come within. 
because at the outside, it's just a feedback loop as far as what we might maybe need to work on, what our shadow work is, and so forth. And in other words, if we're our fulfillment only comes from what's happening outside of ourselves, then our lives are going to have a lot of ups and downs. And how that might be connected to happiness is that, for me, true happiness is more being connected to your presence, to your purpose, to mm. feeling as though you exist. So mm. it's not contingent on the outside world, compliments, validations, promotions, or getting a girl. Mm. If I'm hearing you correctly, it's not necessarily any of these outside factors, because I think a lot of times the the trap that we fall into a lot of times is, you know, we set our New Year's goals, we set these intentions that we have for ourselves, which is really beautiful about maybe doing more philanthropy work, you know, getting that bigger house, getting that raise or that promotion. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it's not necessarily those items that are going to create, I guess, deep, prolonged fulfillment or happiness, but it's about your internal connection to yourself, your purpose work, um, what you're doing with your life. So how do you differentiate those two? Because you do get, you know, like you said earlier, you do get those dopamine hits and you get those feelings of happiness and fulfillment. But you're saying that like really deep fulfillment comes from a much deeper, a much deeper internal place. Absolutely. So I like to take things really (laughs) deeper. So whomever's listening to this, that they can apply this, they can try it out. And so, for example, there's listeners right now here in this show, and there's this idea of where they want to go, what they want to be, what they want to attract, what they want to create. The questioner asks yourself in this now moment of wanting those things, how do you feel now? Do you feel content? Do you feel happy? Do you feel bliss? And so if you don't, it's not because of those things outside of yourself have not happened. It's because of whatever you're saying yourself, which might be until I get that I'm not worthy or I won't be complete until I get that until my ducks are in place. I won't feel ready and all of that. And so truly for a person to really experience uh, happiness, they have to be really present to who they are beyond social norms, beyond what they were taught, beyond social media, and to sit with themselves. And that might be sitting with anger or sadness or not knowing why they just feel like they're in a funk. And when we're able to move through emotions, to breathe through it in a relaxed place in our hearts and realize that this is here because life loves us and our biology is almost like the check engine light in a car, if something's wrong, it's going to let us know something needs to be looked at. Then when we realize our emotions are important and to help direct us, then it puts us more in control. And we start taking, making choices that are more responsible, but also we become aware of how we want to feel versus getting that from something outside of ourselves. Mm. So, and we have all the control now in that. So true happiness is, I would say, is first being present with whatever, whatever's coming up. And in that, let that be present. Maybe let it release however way that you do that. And in that, in a way, almost like holding the cork down in water, like a wooden cork, you let it go. It pops right up to the surface. Well, that cork that pops up the surface is happiness. 
contentment, fulfillment. I'd love you to elaborate on that a little bit. So the the two pieces that I that I heard from you, which I really think are really gold gems here, and I'd, I'd love to get your expertise and have you elaborate on a little bit more. So there's the present aspect of it, and that's being very aware about what's going on, and then also the the present aspect of the emotional part of it, and the I guess the feeling part of it. And you kind of alluded to how your, I guess your internal guidance system, the part of you that's actually feeling what's going on is almost like the check engine light that's on your car. And, and that's your, I guess your, you know, your biofeedback mechanism. I feel like there's a really important part of being able to feel what's going on, understand, or maybe not even understand, but just be with what's going on so you can allow it to move through you, to allow it to show you something. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that because, you know, in times of despair, in times of trauma, sitting with that is the thing that we typically don't want to do. And it's the uncomfortable thing. And it's the thing that we actually kind of want to run away from. So, what would you recommend, or maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that about how important that is, and maybe some tips on how people can actually sit with that and utilize that for their betterment? Okay, great. I'll give you an example. Let's just say in this moment that there are people who a lot of people are feel uncertain about their future. But what's interesting about that is the future is not out there. And what I mean by that is their state of mind, is something that's within their control. And so, so the idea is that like, I don't know where to plant my seeds. I don't know where our economy is going to go. I don't know where I'll be living next year. I'm uncertain about uh, the, the systems that we live in right now. And with all of that, it starts creating a lot of fear in one's body. And they start feeling anxiety and they feel like, oh God, I got to hurry up and make some money. Uh, it might be where... They just try to find some other distraction to get away from that. Or they just talk to other people who conspire with them that same negative belief, which is kind of like blame or how things are really shitty. So, you know, they, they're validating that person. Yes, you feel shitty because, yeah, me too. I, I, I'm afraid what's going to happen. Well, if you really break that down and step back for a moment and it's you start connecting to your own transparent beliefs which is under your control. And that would be this. So if I'm really fearing my future, then what is it that I really am afraid of? Losing control. What else do I have issues with? Trust. Oh, it's connecting to my trust issues. Do I trust myself as a person with life? Oh, I feel very hopeless to, oh, I feel afraid. And um, I, I realize I'm putting my sense of safety and control of who I am in the hands of the government or the current climate. Why would I do that? Okay. So now you've gone to the emotions up because you sat with that. And now, now, you know, that's under your control. The next step would be to now that I know that I can be in control of my emotions. Now I know the, the transparent belief is that I, I'm just not trusting. What can I do to nourish myself right now to connect to trust? That's, beyond what's happening outside of me. And then you run with that. And so like simple, I'm gonna make these up, simple uh, sentence stems like this could 
help a person elicit that kind of a introspection in a way to do the healing from the inside out, such as what is truly in my way from enjoying this moment? Mm. How do I need to feel about myself to feel in control? How do I want to really feel even when I, even though what I'm seeing outside of me appears to look grim? Little questions like that brings it back to yourself. Even those three sentence stems I just made up are ones that kind of turns the question around and gives you the responsibility how to work with it. So mm-hmm. sentence stems are really good. But the first step is to be with those emotions and be with those feelings and allow them to connect that part of you that wants to grow. And I feel it's connected to what you came forth to do while you're here. You know, I love what you said, because if we take the current climate, because as we record this in 2020, we have mass uncertainty. There is so much uncertainty in the world right now in terms of health, uh, economic outlook for so many people. Um, the, the overwhelming sensation of helplessness, of um, not being in control, that lack of certainty is out of grasp for so many people. And it's, it's just really hard for people to even get out of that mindset. So I really love what you said. And it almost sounds like just taking that moment to be present, to feel the emotions, uh, I guess, kind of allows you to bring in a little bit more certainty when you really have no idea if you're going to get fired or if you're going to find a job or if your benefits are going to run out. Does this help people really kind of like ground them and give them a sense of certainty in a world that is just really uncertain? Absolutely. What's interesting about this period of isolation for myself and others is the lingering thoughts to the healthy and unhealthy distractions to having to deal with what's real for us. We might blame our job or or just being with someone for a really long time, but within our emotional apparatus, we are the ones who are interpreting the experiences within. So for example, I have a beautiful son who I am the primary parent. And if I am not present, I'm stressed, or it's like there's something else on my mind like work, then him spilling simple water could be like me. It would be, it'd be, I would might perceive it as if it's against me. Like, Oh my God, I got to clean up a mess. Oh God, I'm delayed. Versus when I'm relaxed and present, the way I talk to myself would be, Oh, it's just water. And it's just in the flow. And it's a different experience because I'm interpreting it in a different way. And when I'm present in my body, I experience all things that way. Therefore, I don't have a negative response. I don't have a negative narrative. And that's what's really important. So right now in social media, there's a primarily a, a negative narrative. And people now are blaming the narrative. And now they're blaming Facebook. And now they're blaming everyone. And this is a time to take back our personal power. Because the thing is that if you probably turned off your TV, didn't watch social media, there's a lot of things you would not be aware of. And if you have a good philosophy for yourself, 
if you have support with people who, who love you and you start ignoring the chatter, you might not realize that there are a lot of people experiencing a lot of discomfort by their interpretation, by being subjected to such negativity while you've taken responsibility to tune into what's most important to you. So it sounds like that everything, including the media, uh, you're spilling a glass of water, like all of these circumstances outside of you, they're all neutral events, right? So what allows one person to spill a glass of water and just go completely irate and have the exact same situation for somebody else saying, oh, it's just water. Oh, well, at least I had an opportunity to clean the floor and I hadn't cleaned the floor in a while, right? It's the same circumstance. How would you give someone advice or some feedback when they can't get out of the way of the media or what's going on and they would like to see that spill glass of water as yeah, just a spill glass of water as opposed to I, am, I, I cannot get out of my way and actually, I'm, I'm going to change that sentence, not get out of the way, but I can't get out of my thoughts. I can't get out of the thought process and being completely debilitated by it. And I know I kind of brought this up before, but I am seeing this over and over and over again. And I feel like it's one of the more crippling things that, that we're seeing in our community and nationwide, this crippling fear of taking these events and just being paralyzed by them. I actually want to respond to that. And if I digress, please keep, you know, keep me on track here. Sure. I, I'm hearing many things kind of come through me. And one of them is the, one of them is the idea of a person hearing this right now and them saying that well, that's just your imagination. You're, you're sweeping it up under the rug. Mm. So then, then they don't believe that when, how many people have sent a text message and not get a response and you imagine the worst and you find out the person's phone went dead. Right. So it's all part of our imagination, whether it's positive or negative. So that's another way to look at that. And then number two, we mentioned about emotions and how important they are, but some people will sit with emotions and then have an addiction with it. For whatever reason, there might be some secondary gain. They're unconscious of it where they sit in victimhood. And I'm not saying those who have been victimized, that that's something there's, I'm condoning that or I'm telling you to get over it. But I'm, I'm moving forward where a person is just always in their emotions and then say not taking action to get out of it. So when I say sit with feelings and emotions, it is to sit with what's there to feel it so you're not afraid of it. And then also to allow that to give you some type of communication feedback to get to the transparent beliefs of what next step there is to do that could be possibly positive. It, that means you might even just take a nap. But the thing is that all of this is about being able to feel, to, to connect to what's true for you then, to take action without any insistence, to learn from that experience and this to continue this process. It's not to sit in that, uh, whatever you're experiencing and doing nothing. It is to really take action and to create what it is that you truly prefer. And so such as on this planet, people are looking outside themselves. They're looking at our leaders. They're feeling very divided. They're talking about it, they're talking about it, talking about it, when truly 
what they want to experience exists now. It exists now. Love, compassion, tolerance. Sure, there are people there who are prejudiced. Sure, there's unfairness. And I'm not saying to turn the other cheek and ignore that if it's something you want to work towards to abolish, to change, shift, or whatever. But it's to remember there is some emotional outcome. There is some value you want to experience in that. It doesn't happen necessarily when, say, they change those laws, that person gets put behind bars or that person's maybe not reelected or whatever it is. It happens now within your control with how in tune you are with your present state of mind and how you prefer to feel. And that is where you can create right now in this very moment. And I think that's what, thank you for that. That was so beautifully said. I feel like that is where freedom really comes into play. That's where really true fulfillment, it's first of all, embodying, digesting, and accepting that mindset that there is true happiness, true connection to God's source, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, that there is the freedom to be happy regardless of outside circumstances. Absolutely. You know, is it harder theoretically to find happiness and fulfillment when you were just handed a life sentence in jail as opposed to, you know, winning winning the Nobel Peace Prize, right? But in absolute terms, it it actually isn't. I cautiously uh, I'm a little cautious about bringing up the book Man's Search for Meaning because <laughs> it gets brought up so many times on this show. But it is a classic example of. Are you? Fam- I don't know if you're familiar with the book. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I can share one story in that. When he's looking at sure. a bowl with dirty fish head, and he prays to it, and he appreciates the nourishment he'll still get from yeah the fish. Yeah. To be able to find light, to be able to find those those rays in whatever context you have, I mean, that is incredibly freeing. And I feel like that's the work, you know, and that's the the, the journey, I think, that we all go through at one point or another. And there is so much... Uh, chaos and dooms news and there's just there's so much stimulus especially in 2020 that it's hard not to get sucked into it you know and I'm a really big believer of see what's there recognize it you want to be informed but you don't want to be inundated by it and then when you're inundated by it it's just it, it's hard to get out of that construct it's hard to get out of you know the media that you know where it's all going downhill and then that affects you internally. I would like to to pivot slightly. I know you're a parent. I've been following you for, for quite a while and you have an amazing relationship with your son. And there's all of this that's going on. Part of what your purpose work is right now is to be the best parent that you can be to him. And, you know, there's a there's part of your job is to all, you know tell him uh, what's going on and you know what to do or give him feedback. And then the other part of the way you parent is how you are reacting 
to everything that's going on and how you are showing up because kids, and again, um, I'm not a parent, so I don't have the expertise in this. This is just my very limited viewpoint, but kids are like sponges. They don't necessarily digest as much what you say, but of what you do. And I think what how you are, you know, interacting with him and responding to what's going on in 2020 is going to have a, an incredibly huge impact on how he kind of moves into the world. And I'd like to maybe have you maybe talk a little bit about your process, maybe parenting and a little bit about what we said, and then maybe some tips and feedback for uh, some parents who are really struggling right now in how to raise a healthy child to be able to, you know, take care of themselves so they can take care of their children. Thank you. I, I love speaking about this. And I recently posted something about this and shared something on video about it because uh, there now listen to this, that this is a regardless where a person stands in their position about this, say one is person who's really, really stressed out. They're fearful. They don't know much about health. They're just kind of, you know, going along with whatever information's out there, depending on the news channel they watch or friends they talk to. And so there's a lot of fear and of this idea idea called the pandemic. And then you have to the other side, you have people call it the pandemic or hoax or whatever it is. But with all of us, we all have kids and we all have our perspective about it, whether we think it's real or not how we're becoming in our bodies and the safety and the trust and the connection tomorrow. And when I say the connection tomorrow, like as if we feel like we're living towards happiness, we're, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen outside of the, ourselves, you know, with the government, but we're going to sit down and have a meal. We're going to take a walk or we're struggling with money right now. So we're going to go move in with so-and-so like whatever it is that, when you have a child, and I know parents know this, you probably remember buying that amazing gift and what they played with was the box, they, the, the, the big box that it came in. And they were imaginative and they created joy out of that to where you hear your kids talking all the time and making believe. And that making believe of things is usually positive and upbeat. Well, we, that doesn't have to stop. Now take that and look at what you, you might call people, some, the pandemic or plandemic. It's still an idea in and of itself. It doesn't have value in and of itself. It doesn't have an emotion in and of itself. It doesn't mean that something bad is going to happen to you in and of its, itself. That doesn't mean we're going to have a grim future. So in this now moment, as you hear this, and this is resonating with your heart and you want so much more than this, remember that that's within your control right now. And your children want to connect to that now. Mm -hmm. They, we have mirror neurons that where they match our states, our nervous system. So mm. when people ask, how is it that I, you know, I raise my son or they'll compliment me. And I will, I basically would say this, I am my son's nervous system. Mm -hmm. I am my son's nervous system. So I have a kind of Yoda way of dealing with pretty much all things. And the only times that he has felt unsafe with me is when I lost my shit and anger. 
about something. And when I tell other people this, they'll go, wow, you're like a great dad. That was when someone almost ran into him with not paying attention. He was on his phone. He didn't apologize. And the guy was rude. And I got right in that guy's face. I was stressed out. It was right after my dad had a stroke. I wasn't grounded. And my son saw me almost like take out a man. Mm-hmm. And then I took pause. We walked. And I asked him, were you afraid? He says, I was afraid of you. <laughs> I was afraid of the moment. You know, and I, we went home. I showed him the Lion King in the part where Mafasa is fighting off the hyenas. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. What's interesting is my, de- my son had no real reference that there was even fear or harm in a way. He just know, knew that his father just lost his shit. Because mm, he could so feel he, it. He could feel it. Like he went, yeah. he didn't see the man who was ran into him as if it was something personal to take. He didn't have a reference point, but I created it for him. So listen to that. The right. pandemic or pandemic, however you mm. want, wherever you want to go, you're creating a narrative for your child. So you almost created a new narrative that wouldn't have happened to be there if the anger hadn't have come up. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, I'm the one who created the, mm. the experience as being negative, meaning I could have just said something softer and then, you know, he ignored me. I walk on by, but I turned around and said something and he got right in my face. And it probably would have been a different uh, endpoint. And the way that it was framed, had you not done that or had he gone inside and you came in and you would have said, oh, I was really angry with him and I yelled at him and he would have got that. But the fact that he saw you, he felt you. Um, yes. yeah, and really had the impact. His sense of, in his sense of safety and calmness was gone that moment. Cause usually I, I'm pretty grounded and can pretty much move through life in a very relaxed way. So he was like, Oh my God, I, he's only seen me that way. Maybe two, three times. And those are the times he's been most afraid, but it's not so much. Now some parents will say, Oh my God, I've blown it for so many years or they're feeling bad. Now it's not, now that you have this information, it's not what you do with it. So right. to fast forward that story, I'll give you what happened. Six weeks later, I go to a store and I didn't know he was homeless. And he happened to be out there and he was asking for money. And I walked up to him. I said, do you remember getting into it, almost, like almost getting a fight with a, a man and his son? He looked at me and he said, was that you? And I said, yes. He said, I have been mm. thinking about you. I'm so sorry. And I said, I'm so sorry too. And he stood up and I said, just give me a hug. And we hugged. And he said, I'm so, I said, no, it's all right. It says, it gives me an opportunity to give back. I says, what do you want to eat? And I got a meal and I brought it up and and then we hugged. And then about a week, week and a half later, he happened to be walking down the street or talking to someone. I was with my son and I, I saw the guy, he saw me, he hugged me. And my son was looking at me. He was curious, like, did he almost get in a fight with this guy? You know, like, couple months ago. I said, we're friends now. We just had a misunderstanding. So uh, it, it, that was more, that was a more powerful learning than whatever should have, could have, I should have done before that. Oh, that's a really beautiful story. It also illustrates how when we have these neutral events, right, it's all in how we react to them that the the feeling of the incident is not always set in stone. And I liked how you were really able to not only reframe it for your own self, but also for the other person involved and then for your son. I mean, to take something that was pretty, I'm going to use the word horrific. I mean, very intense, 
you know, the possibility of losing your son. That's, that's very intense. Um, to being very angry with somebody and then having almost a beautiful humanistic experience mm-hmm. with somebody and being able to show your son that is possible. Absolutely. And again, this goes back to what we spoke about a little bit earlier is that this maybe happened, but how I want to feel was within my control. So just mm. say if that had happened and I were uh, beat myself up, walking with my son, thinking, God, I just acted like a jerk. I could have just asked myself this question. And that would be, how do I want to experience love with my son right now? Or what would love do about this right now. And because at its purest form, I can get into the story and it just, I go more to confusion of the should have, could have. But at the end of the day, I just want to feel good. Right. So that's why I use these sentence stems and I have deeper processes I, I'm not doing right now on this call that helps a person get there. Now, so, p- some people like really, when you think of like letting something go, please understand, I'm not saying forgive the person. If that's what you choose to do, that's fine. But when you connect to awareness, that's even beyond forgiveness because that connects to the, all the innocence and the story with that person in yourself. Because remember, it is a narrative of how you're perceiving it. Because right. what I mean by right. that is if that happened to my friend, say, Mina, she would have just let the person walk on by. She wouldn't see it as something bad. It was my narrative. It was my filter. And so when we let go of that fixed attention and narratives that create that negative response in our bodies and that goes into reaction and attacking, then we realize that we, all we're left with is just, oh, I just want to feel good. Oh, mm. love is right here to, oh, I see you, son. Okay, I'm here. I'm sorry. And he doesn't care. He just wants to have fun now. And ki- kids can reset themselves typically really quickly. I think this is also where they become the teachers if you allow them to, to reset your set point. Yes. Right. Because they, they have that imagine, you know, you were talking about their imagination and how they typically it's, you know, they typically want to have a, a positive, positive outcome. They want to have this joy, childlike state and have fun and explore and bring you along with them. And, having that as a reflection point can be a great opportunity if we allow it to, to recenter us, (laughs) you know, to realize, okay, it's not the end of the world. What do we want to feel about this? How do we want to move forward from this? And I think children in their, in their beautiful childlike innocence can be such, you know, great teachers for us if we allow them to. Absolutely. And there's times that I've attempted to create a, some type of learning in a process to where I talk about whatever had happened again. And my son is already beyond that. He's looking at me like, as if like, why are we still talking about that? Mm. And he's not like blowing it off. He literally was like, this doesn't make sense. We're eating ice cream right now. And you're talking about what happened two days ago. So, so, so for parents, how do you know when, and I guess maybe it's just a feeling that you need to go back to it and really talk about it. So you're not literally sweeping it under the rug, but you also don't want to be inundated by it. You know, at what point are you acknowledging it to, you know, do, do parents sometimes go overboard and wanting to go down that rabbit hole 
of maybe some some type of significant emotional event or some type of traumatic event? Is it more just trying to get the feedback from the child? Yes, it's just asking questions. It's asking no. questions. I mean, well, I'll give you an example. You have to fish for it you, because you don't know. I have a six-year-old son. And um, four or five days ago, my friend was hanging out with me and uh, she he said, you're smiling with Mina. And I didn't know where that was coming from, what he meant. And so the next day I asked him, I said, what did you mean that I was smiling? And actually it was where he noticed that I seemed to smile maybe a little bit more with her to where he was recognizing that I look sometimes frustrated with him, with him, that I don't have a smile on my face. And I said, thank you for reminding me. I said, I think I get into dad mode and I, I'm a little bit maybe too seriously, serious. So, you know, he has permission to tell me smile more. Mm. So, you know, what most parents do is they, um, <clears throat> they turn little things into a big story. It's like they, they, they fill in all the parts all, all the time. So I just stay particularly in the unknown, you know, let him share. And I ask it different, many different ways. I wanted to quickly go back to something you mentioned earlier, and this has been a, a conversation that we've brought up on the show many times. You mentioned forgiveness versus awareness. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit more because when you are, I guess, in the self-help community, you know, they talk about forgiveness or holding grudges is like, you know, taking poison and expecting the other person to die. And there's a, there's a really big thought movement about really trying to forgive the best way you can, um, not necessarily condoning the actions of maybe the oppressor or the perpetrator or anything like that, but forgiveness is a pretty big part of it. And I wanted you to elaborate a little bit more on the distinction that you had with the forgiveness versus awareness, because I haven't heard that before on the show. Okay, great. Well, first off, if that is a person's process to move through something, it's, that's great. However, I've worked with over 6,000 clients and for most of them, especially those who experienced tremendous trauma, like they had a perpetrator, they've never really released it by whatever forgiveness they've done if that was their path. So in other words, it's still not integrated and that person doesn't feel like they're fully in control and are able to move forward. Uh, for example, it's like this, I forgive you, but you got away with it, asshole. Mm -hmm. um, I forgive you, but you should have never done that to a child. Mm -hmm. I forgive you, but you know, mom should have stepped in and to protect me, wh whatever the case is. So it hasn't come to full completion. So with awareness, you can connect to first your heart. And whether that's breath work, doing yoga, or just happens, you have a cathartic a moment, it is being able, and the way I describe that is this, is that in compassion, you just have a different perspective of the perpetrator, the event, and the unmet expectations. And what I mean by that is in compassion, it connects all the dots to how it was played out, but really importantly, your personal responsibility, such as personal responsibility might be to sit with the anger and not judge that. Therefore, that's why you haven't fully processed it because you think anger is bad. 
responsibility might be where you never were authentic fully with sharing that information. So therefore, yes, you can cause conflict, but it's better to get the movement going versus sit with that conflict for the rest of your life. Response being responsible might be where you recognize how you participate in a negative way and you own that and grow from that. Uh, it is, it ends up turning it inward of ways that you can work with it now. And again, move through the emotions fully. And then when you move through fully, then you don't have that negative charge typically with that person or the situation. And then it brings it back to you. Like it's going to be more of this experience. I forgive myself for allowing myself to feel this way this long. Mm -hmm. I forgive myself for not for judging myself for how long it took me to process this. I forgive myself for judging myself for how I reacted so many years. I forgive myself for having such a, a, a long unmet expectation on this person. And it releases you from that identity, that persistent identity that keeps you trapped in that vicious cycle, whatever that person or situation that's unresolved, you move into that space. That's beyond forgiveness. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You're really beautiful. Yeah. As we start to wind down the show, there's something that we like to do with all of our guests just to get a little bit more personal feel for who Ray Doctor is. We like to run some rapid fire questions to you. These are short questions, yes, no questions, just to get a little bit more feel. All right. Would you say you are more of an introvert or extrovert? I am both. You're both? Yes. Would you say that you are religious, spiritual, none, or other? My first response, I just am. I exist. Beautiful. Are you a boxer or brief guy? I am both. Are you a Star Wars or Star Trek guy? Neither. Cat or dog person? More dog. Sweet or savory guy? Sweet. Are you more of a Ritz-Carlton relaxing by the pool or hiking out into the wilderness and roughing it? Staying at Ritz-Carlton and going in the backyard and hiking in our back trail that you're not supposed to go on. (laughs) There you go. For superpower, invisibility, or super strength? Super strength. Are you a talker or texter? Talker. Would you rather speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? I'd rather be able to talk to animals, yes. <laughs> and last but very important question, corn or flour tortillas? <laughs> corn. <laughs> Beautiful. Ray, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. I know we just scratched the surface. Why don't you take a moment to tell people how they can get a hold of you, uh, where they can follow you, if they need to get in touch with you? Okay. You can visit my website. That's R-A-Y-D-O-K-T-O-R.com, raydoctor.com. And you can also email that way with info at raydoctor.com. That's my real last name. And if you do visit my website, you can also download the free book, Have Just Decoded. And a reason why it's called the Decoded, it does break down a lot of the paradigms and, and way we think that creates negativity in our lives in the book. And it shows you simple ways how to release all of that. And 
the byproduct is, of course, happiness. Ray, thank you again. We will have all of the links in the show notes to uh, some of the articles that we mentioned in the podcast, along with everything that Ray just mentioned. Again, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your heart. Thank you very much. It's been fun and uh, look forward to it again. Thank you so much. Ready to take your personal, relational, or business fulfillment to the next level? With one-on-one personal support, co-developed strategies, and accountability, Scott and Joshua have the tools, compassion, and years of experience helping people just like you live an extraordinary life. of 25 and 55 and live in the Southern California region, our Men's Mastering Freedom Retreat is offered quarterly for individuals seeking to increase their fulfillment in an extended weekend gathering. This is an incredibly powerful and transformative weekend, and just for our podcast listeners, there is a $200 discount just for mentioning the podcast. Visit masteringfulfillment.com slash retreat for details.